Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can take them out. And you can turn to two different openings today. Two different openings. Probably the two most famous vision verses in all of Scripture. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, and Proverbs 29, 18. Habakkuk 2, 2, and Proverbs 29, 18. Thank you, Father, for your word this morning. We put our trust in you today. In Jesus' name. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, Proverbs 29, 18. I'm going to begin with Habakkuk 2 and read it to you in a couple different translations. And then we'll look at Proverbs 29. Habakkuk or Habakkuk, depending on which denomination you grew up in. <laughs> Habakkuk 2, 2, verse 2 from the New King James says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. And then the NIV, same verse, says this. And then God answered, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. I'm sorry, that's the message. I said NIV, but it's the message Bible. Then God answered, write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. Everybody say, on the run, on the run. Now, if you turn over to Proverbs 29, verse 18, I'll I'll begin from the, the King James Version. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. The God's Word translation says it this way. Without prophetic vision, people run wild. But blessed are those who follow God's strategies. It stands out to me, and I find it interesting this morning, the juxtaposition of these two verses. In Habakkuk 2, you have a vision being cast with great clarity, big block letters, resulting in a group of people who run or are mobilized around the vision. Meanwhile, in Proverbs 29, we see a similar group of people who are left to perish or spoil because of the absence of a clear vision. That's what the word perish means in the Hebrew in in Proverbs 29, where it says perish, it means to spoil. So like milk that has been left out past its due date, So are those who persist 
without a clear vision and they become spoiled. Yet those who are empowered by a clear sense of direction and purpose from God their creator not only flourish, but they do so at a high rate of speed. They, they run. Write this. Write what you see. Write it out on big block letters so that it can be read on the run. Without prophetic vision, people run wild. But blessed are those who follow God's teachings. It's interesting that these two verses both are communicating to us the necessity of clear vision, but they're doing so from opposite directions. Where there is a clear vision, people run. Where there is no vision, people run wild. I'll say it again just so you can get the cleverness of the sentence. Where there is a clear vision, people run. Where there is no vision, people run wild. Have you ever been in a situation or in a scenario where there is no clear-cut vision? Is there anything more frustrating than being in an environment that is visionless? Now, I'm not talking about an environment that has a vision and is figuring out how to do it, because we've been there before. I'm talking about like when you're in a situation where you're like, what are we doing here? There's no visible model for movement of any kind. Well, the scripture's clear that that's where people begin to spoil. I'm so thankful that God has given Hope Church a clear vision. I really am. I'm so thankful. We wouldn't have come this far and lasted this long without a clear vision. Y'all know the vision. This is Vision Sunday after all. You know the vision. What did God tell me the first th in prayer in Fort Myers, Florida in 2008? You who have been here for a while already know the answer to this. What, what did God say to me in the middle of the night? Strong families. So I want you to go to Boone and, 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 and develop my kingdom and cultivate a church that builds strong families. And then he, and then he said that I, he, he wanted us to come and, and break down paradigms of, of religiosity that have kept people out of the presence of God for years so that we could see real and authentic transformation from God's presence in the lives of people. And then he called us to develop a community of the saints in Boone that thrive. So we, we have hope for strong families. We have hope for transformation. We have hope for our community. This is our vision. And these things don't change. In fact, they only get better, richer, bigger, healthier, stronger, and they move faster. Amen? So we have a clear vision at our church. So, so why then... Vision Sunday. If we have a vision, why do we dedicate a Sunday to express what the vision is for the year? Well, if the vision doesn't change, why would we make such a big deal of Vision Sunday? It's because of this. As time passes, each year God gives us more and more clarity on how to fulfill his vision for Hope Church. You see, because this is his church. Not mine, not Brian's, not even yours. This is God's church, right? The Bible says we're his sheep in his pasture. And so his vision is for his church, and it's our job to connect to that and follow his leadership 
so that we can grow together. Amen? So this is kind of a little different from our typical sermon. If you're here for the first time this morning or watching us for the first time, uh, I, my approach to Vision Sunday is a little different than my typical approach to a, a Sunday morning, but I, I hope that you uh, get something and receive something out of it. I feel like each, each year the Lord helps me uh, as he expands upon his vision and he helps me to better communicate it and lead more, more thoroughly. But, but each year, in spite of the fact that he gave us vision, for strong families, for transformation and community. Each year he gives us some type of mandate, some type of direction that helps us in the development of those three things. How are strong families, authentic transformation, vibrant community develop going to happen in 2024? What is the mandate for 2024 specifically? Well, this year's mandate is very, very, very simple. I don't know about you. I like simple. In fact, I'll say it this way. I need simple. I like to present myself as being sophisticated, but I'm really not. I, I really, I'm really not that sophisticated, Dr. Garrett. I just, I just need simple. How many of you need simple? Just, just tell me in the most simple way you can. I, I, was, I was at a hotel in Boston with my friends, at a, a, some of my pastor buddies, at a, at a pastor's round table up in Boston last year. And I was in my hotel room. Matter of fact, I can, I can still remember it in my mind's eye if I, if I think about it for a second. I can go back there in my mind. I, I was standing over the bed. I was talking to Brienne. I was wrapping up a conversation. She was on the speakerphone, and I was, I was unpacking my suitcase, as I like to do, because if you've ever traveled with me, Frankie knows this. I go, to a, I go to a hotel, and I don't live out of my suitcase. I take all that stuff out, and I put it in the drawers in the hotel, and I try to be as at home as I possibly can. So I was in the middle of doing that. My, my children are completely different animals. They will live out of a backpack with their socks and stuff strewn in every direction in a hotel room. Me, I have to have a little bit more order than that. So, so all my stuff was laid out on the bed, and I was just kind of packing, and it was all of a sudden in the midst of that that the Lord dropped these words into my heart for the vision for this year. It's very simple. It's very direct. Every one of us is going to understand this. This year's mandate for 2024 is three simple words, communication, connection, celebration. Communication, connection, and celebration. We want to be the kind of church that communicates with people well, connects with people well, and celebrates people well. Because the reality is God's vision is always people first, right? I've been talking about these words feel kind of they're probably fresh to you right in this moment. To me, I've been rehearsing them in my heart since I was in Boston last year. Our, our leadership team has been hearing about this since October. Uh, you know, we, we've been rehearsing this stuff now for a while. But the reality is these words are so important because God's vision always puts people first. It's not ministry first. It's people first. The ministry exists for the people, not the other way around. I've been to some churches where the, where the people seem to exist for the benefit of the ministry, and I'm here to tell you that's not the way it works. 
It's not the way it works in the Bible, and it's certainly not the way it's happening at Hope Church. The, the ministry exists to serve the people of God and the people of our community so that we can welcome them into the family too. Amen. So it's people first. So we want to be the kind of church that communicates with people well, that connects well with people, and that celebrates people well. Now, let me take a moment to get in front of the little voice in your head for just a second. For those that would read this and think that doesn't sound very spiritual. I can base by a few of the laughs that I just got there that you're already thinking this. Okay. Doesn't sound very spiritual, Pastor. Communication, connection, celebration. Sounds like Tony Robbins. Can I tell you that this vision is so incredibly spiritual, you have no idea? Why? Because this is exactly, exactly how God relates to you. Exactly how God relates to you. Really, Pastor? Yeah, yeah, communication. How about Jeremiah 33, 3? Call unto me, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. How about 1 John 5, verse 14? This is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. How about... How, <laughs> How about when, when God said in First Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name would humble myself, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I would hear from heaven. The Bible is rich and full from cover to cover with God communicating to people. From cover to cover, God shows up in Abraham's world and says, I am God. Can you, can you imagine? I'm your exceedingly great reward, he says to Abraham. Can you imagine being Abraham out in the middle of the wilderness with a tent? And his family's in the tent. And all of a sudden, the God of the universe shows up and just goes, I am God. Boom. What must Abraham have thought? You see, God's a God whose pattern is that he intentionally communicates and reveals himself to people. So before you think that this vision doesn't have a whole lot of spiritual depth to it, let me remind you that God started by communicating to you with his very word. I mean, communication, it's, it's like the infrastructure of the entire kingdom of God is communication. How did he make the world? He spoke. God's big on communication. How about connection? Doesn't the Lord connect with you? Amen. Thank you for that amen, that one lone amen. Voice in the wilderness. Okay. John 15, 5, what does Jesus say? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Talk about connection. You abide in him and he abides in you. Can you get any closer than that? What about in James when he says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. 
You see, there's an, there's, a, there's an invitation from the Spirit of God for us to connect with Him. How about celebration? Does God celebrate you? You better believe it. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Psalm 147.11 says, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope within his mercy. You see, these, these three words are so important to our church this year. Why? Because they came from the heart of God for our community. I didn't get them from a witty blog post. This is not the result of me attending a church growth seminar in Dallas. This is God's heartbeat for you this morning. And this is him peeling back another layer, showing us how to develop strong families, how to cultivate transformation, how to cultivate our community. This is him saying, the vision I gave you is so very real. Here's how you're going to do it in 2024. Boom. Through communication, connection, and celebration. There's nobody who communicates, connects, and celebrates better than Jesus. Amen. And understand, this is his heart for his people. You want to know why? I asked the Lord. There's always seems to be something that ties these vision Sundays together in my heart. It's always like a verse or a statement or something that God gives me. And I was was praying and asking God. I was like, Lord, help me to tie this together in a way that makes sense to people. And he said, Josh, it's so easy. You've been missing it this whole time. And he gave me this vision last year in the summertime. And I've been asking him since then, how does it all come together? And then this past week, it just, boom, it hit me. You know why this is so important? You know why this is so special? It's because this is what family does. This is what family does. This is family. What does your family do? They communicate with you. They call you. Right? How many of you got a mom that calls you? Maybe more than you want to be called. I didn't say, I didn't raise my hand. That wasn't me. I, that was, I was just asking if anybody out there had family that contacted them a little more than they wanted to be contacted. It's fine. Just kidding. No, what happens? You, your, your family, they call you. They check on you. Hey, I haven't talked to Johnny in a while. How is he? Oh, he's good. I just talked to him yesterday. Oh, okay, good. Tell him I said hi. That's what family does. Your family, they connect with you. Hey, are you okay? You didn't you you didn't you haven't spoken two words this morning. Are you all right? It's what my it's what I do with my kids when they come out of the bedroom in the morning. Usually Sophia's the first one awake. I don't know why, but I'm out, always out on the couch. I like to get up early and sit in the dark for a while. It's pretty enjoyable. And and so usually Sophia comes out and she's and, and I say, Come here, come give daddy a hug, come sit on my lap. And what do we do? We connect. Maybe, hopefully, years later, she'll remember that daddy was always there sitting on the couch waiting for her to wake up. 
hopefully that that makes as much, enough of an impact in her life that she doesn't forget it. And then usually Abigail comes out after that, and she usually runs to the bathroom real fast first, and then she comes out. And then I say, come here, come sit with me. Let's snuggle. Claire doesn't snuggle anymore. She's too cool for that now. She's 14, you know. See, this is what family does. Does family celebrate you? You better believe it. Who do you think singing out of, out of tune for your birthday every year? Who's, who's the one handing you the presents at Christmas time? Who's there around the table? It's your family. You see, this is what family does. Family communicates, family connects, family celebrates. We're called to be part of the family of God. And our calling and our mandate is to, is to communicate, to connect, and to celebrate within the four walls and then open up the space to bring others into the family of God. We got a society that is, that is more quote-unquote, connected than ever before, and yet simultaneously the most isolated generation in history. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Marriage statistics about isolation are through the roof. 25% of every marriage, 25% of every marriage claims isolation. Three out of every four people that you bump into on the street today will tell you that they feel lonely. They got 14,000 Instagram followers. And they got a feed that's constantly giving them updated information on every possible thing happening on every corner of the globe. More connected than we've ever been and simultaneously more isolated. I believe it's this reason that Jesus wants us to be intentional this year, to communicate. You know, a text message goes a long way. Hey, man, how you doing this morning? Just thinking of you. Just wanted to let you know I was praying for you during my quiet time this morning. Hope you have an awesome week. A little text message, a little voice memo, a little phone call. Hey, you, you good? I saw you at church yesterday. You didn't look like yourself. You okay? Oh, yeah, man, I'm good. I just was super tired. Okay, no worries. Love you. I love you too. See you next week. Little stuff goes such a long way. I wrote this sentence out. This is what the, the Lord kind of dropped into my heart as a way of remembering the importance of these three words, okay? So I'm going to share this with you, and if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. In fact, we'll make sure, Kelsey, we'll make sure that this statement goes out in our email this week, okay? If you, if you can't write very fast. This is the sentence. We will not celebrate the one we haven't connected with. And we cannot connect with the one we've not communicated with. We will not celebrate the one we haven't connected with. And we cannot connect with the one we have not communicated with. I believe more than ever that these qualities are important and are needed for the people at Hope Church and beyond. I don't know if you've been around with us for a little while yet, but we're growing. We're a growing church. Every single week I see new faces in the crowd. 
every time we come together, I'm shaking hands or giving a hug to somebody that I'm meeting for the first time. It is the most exhilarating time for Brianne and I to be a pastor at this church. We are outgrowing this space. We are, we are filling this place up, and we're moving forward. Aren't you glad you're part of something that has some vision? Amen. I, you didn't do very good. Let me give you another opportunity. Aren't you glad that you are part of something that has some vision? Amen. Me too. Let me tell you, as you keep these three thoughts in your mind and as you write these down and, and, and begin to build on them, let me take in the last few minutes, i got about 10 minutes left, let me take these minutes to tell you about some specifics that we're going after this year. Can I be painfully practical with you for the last little bit? What have we already begun to do or have already accomplished since January 1st? Now, it is February 4th. It is the first Sunday of the second month of the year. We've already closed a month of 2024. Is that ridiculous or what? I mean, time is flying. Holy Moses. My kids are not getting younger. They're getting older. Nobody told me that was going to happen. I can't believe it. No, we've already closed one month of the year, and I'm, gonna hear, I'm here to tell you January has been a very productive month at Hope Church. We started by revamping serving and revamping what service looks like at Hope Church. You may have noticed that everybody working on a team this morning has got a, a shirt that says, Hope Dealer, here to serve on the front of it. We've completely revamped our serving and our volunteerism. What used to be called legacy teams are now called serve teams. Each serve team has one or more leaders that are coordinating all the efforts of that serve team. And we no longer have volunteers. We have hope dealers, people who have been deputized to give and distribute hope to the people that come through the doors at Hope Church, whether they attend here or are visiting for the very first time. I said to you back in October during our 10-year celebration that we would raise up more leaders this year than in the previous 10 years combined, and we've already begun to do that. We've already begun to do that. On January 26th, we conducted our first of two grow days. We started doing grow days a couple years ago, and they used to be volunteer training, but this past year we realized that we needed to up the ante and make them more valuable and make them a little more intentional. And so we changed the format, and we began to have grow days aimed at our team leaders, aimed at equipping and putting tools in the hands of those who are called to lead. So we'll be, we had such a wildly successful grow day on January, excuse me, January 26th, and we're going to be doing another one later in the year. I'm so excited about raising leaders. I am so excited about raising up leaders because that's how we continue to grow. We launched in the month of January our Connect team. Wes Berry took over the leadership of that team and has kicked that team off. So if you visited our church in the month of January, you've already been contacted multiple times by a member of the Connect team. This team is growing gangbusters. I mean, they've already got, what, five people in it? That's incredible. I absolutely love it. The, the, the job of that team is to build connection with people that come for the first time and check out the church. And uh, So if you haven't already heard from the Connect team, if you're new this morning, expect a phone call. Amen? Um, the, probably the one that gets my excitement going more than any is Motion Student Ministry. We completely revamped our youth group and have relaunched it in the month of January. 
Motion student ministry now looks very different than it has. And, and when I say very different, I mean 10 times more awesome. I, I can tell you that this is true because my kids attend it and they think it's great. So that's how I know that we're doing something right. If the teenagers like it, it must be awesome. So we've completely revamped that. They're in, they're in Bible studies. They have a monthly uh, gathering where they all come together. They meet up here now instead of meeting down below. And I'm telling you what, what I'm seeing coming out of Motion Student Ministry is absolutely stirring my heart up because the next generation is too crucial to let them slide. So what are we moving forward in and or launching in the coming years? Or excuse me, in the coming year. I'm going to give you a handful of things that I am committed to in 2024. As I said, we're going to continue to raise up more leaders this year than we ever have. And this is going to include some addition to the leadership structure of the church, which I'm actually going to talk about in the future. God has instructed me and my wife and uh, the overseers of our church to begin to add layers of leadership in this church, and I am so very excited about that. We're going to be expanding our life groups. Recently, uh, Marshall and Carly Haslett took over uh, the coordination and management of our, of our life groups, and uh, life groups have been awesome. Uh, we've thoroughly enjoyed ours. We go to their house uh, for our life group. And uh, it's just been absolutely fun. I know that you guys have had other life groups that are going on, and we're going to continue to expand that and see that develop and grow. I am committed to developing and launching Spanish ministry in the year 2024. Do you know that Hope Church in Spanish is Iglesia Esperanza in Spanish, just in case you wanted to know that? Um, I am absolutely committed. Did I say that right? I did a good job, didn't I? Yeah, good. Okay, good. Thank you. Bueno. Okay. Uh, I, I am absolutely committed, and, and the reason is because we want to take what's happening, the good stuff that God's doing in Hope Church, we want to take and extend that into an area of our community that is very underserviced. There is a growing, growing Hispanic community within our, uh, our community at large, and we want to be able to take hope into that community. So I'm very, very excited about launching Spanish ministry in the coming year. We're taking hope and healing on the road. How many of you have been to a hope and healing service? In fact, we have, when's our next one? It's in February, isn't it? March, excuse me. Um, our, what is it, the 18th? It's the 18th or the 19th is our, is our next coming um, hope and healing service. If you've never been to one of these, you need to come. It's an absolute bonkers time in the presence of the Lord. 23rd, okay, March 23rd. We were close, not even close. Okay. Um, we're going to have an amazing time in the presence of the Lord, and we want to take hope and healing outside of the four walls of this building. If you've ever been to a hope and healing service, you know what it's like when God's presence come in and comes and invades and people get touched and healed and transformed. We want to take that beyond the four walls of this church. And so we're believing for and we're currently working to have a hope and healing service on campus at App State this coming year. And that I am very, very excited about. Um, today we're launching a building fund, and I'm very excited about that. We had been talking for a little while, my wife and I, just 
pondering what the next steps would be, what the next building needs to look like. You know, it's getting a little cramped in here, right? And if you think it's getting cramped in here, you should be downstairs in the kids' ministry and hope kids. For every ounce of cramped here, there's five ounces of cramped downstairs. We've absolutely maximized the downstairs space for the kids. So Brian and I had begun to kind of talk about that just a little bit to, to see what that would look like. And we've always been very particular to wait to be led by the Spirit of God as we've transitioned from building to building. We've always been very particular to not get ahead of things. And so last year we had a family in the church come forward and offer to kickstart a church building fund with a seed of $10,000. The idea was to take this amount and place it before the congregation to create an opportunity for the congregation to get involved and match. So um, when I shared the vision with our leadership, another family stepped forward and they said, uh, we want in, so they added another 10000 And so we decided and prayed about it. We said, well, the church is going to add another 5000 to that out of our own general fund. And so this morning, we're putting before you, the congregation, an opportunity to match $25,000 in a building fund. We believe that over the next few months, we're going to see God double that twenty-five and turn it into fifty. Now, let me tell you why that we're doing, why we're doing this. Let me give you some very specifics, okay? This is a building fund, not a capital campaign. There's a big difference between the two. With a capital campaign, we would be looking at a particular piece of property. We'd be looking at a particular set of architectural drawings, a particular building, land, etc. At this moment, we don't feel led or impressioned from the Holy Spirit to do anything like that. So at this moment, we've felt the Holy Spirit lead us to create a building fund. The purpose of the building fund is, begin, is to begin to set aside funding so that as God opens the doors, we're ready to walk through them. And I will say this again and again just so, as a reminder to you. We're always very diligent to wait to be led, especially when it comes to building locations. It's not that we're afraid of taking risk. It's not, the, it's not that we're afraid of moving quickly. In fact, that's why we're having a building fund so that we can begin to stockpile so that when the door opens, we can move quickly. When we sense God's leadership, we can move quickly. But I, I, I didn't want to um, respond to any kind of pressured feeling to say, not that I've gotten any from you guys. You guys have been amazing. But um, even within my own head, I thought, well, maybe we should get, maybe we should call an architect. Maybe we should start to beat the bushes and try to find a piece of land. Maybe we should, And I thought, you know what? Wait a minute. The Holy Spirit doesn't drive. He's not a cattle prodder. He's a, the Bible says Jesus is our shepherd, and he leads. So we want to be good sheep and follow after God. So here's what I know right now. I have had the stirring in my heart to begin praying in this direction. I've asked our leadership to join me in doing that. I know this for certain, whatever buildings and facilities, notice I made those plural, by the way, whatever buildings and facilities, plural, because the vision that God has for us is going to take more than one building. Whatever buildings and facilities God blesses us with will be tools to accommodate the vision. We will never see them as the vision. 
You need to know that right up front. As we place this opportunity before you to give today and in coming Sundays, and, and we'll continue to raise money for the building fund, the building fund will never be the vision of Hope Church. I've seen it too many times, and so have you. We're not in love with buildings. We're in love with the lost. We're not in love with property. Jesus didn't call me to be in the real estate business. He called me to be in the people business. Amen. So it's important that we see these things as tools. Buildings are there because we facilitate the lost and for no other reason. It's just like the sound system. It's just like keyboards and drums and microphones. These are tools. These are tools to help us reach the lost more effectively. The next building God has us in is a tool to reach the lost more effectively, to disciple and train up, to build leaders, to develop our kids, to develop family. All the things that God's put in our heart, a building is a tool. So I'm really honored this morning to place before you guys an opportunity to match the $25,000 that have already come in the door and have already been placed in front of us. We're not, this is not pledging. We're not asking for, you know, there's 12 people can give $1,000. No, I don't do that kind of stuff. I don't, that's not me. I don't do that. Okay? This is a ask the Lord. Lord, how do you want me to contribute to the building of your church at Hope Church? And then we're asking for you to trust the leadership of the church, myself, my wife, our executive team, our overseers that are in different parts of the country. Trust us that as we build and as we see opportunities that we'll be able to hear the Lord very clearly about which opportunity we're supposed to take action on. I really believe that's how it works. In fact, if you were to look back, those of you who've been part of this church for a while, this is the third building we've been in. This is the third building that we've called home. We started in a school in Blowing Rock. Then we moved to this little tiny building on State Farm Road that, I mean, you couldn't squeeze this section into that building. And we thought it was the doggone Taj Mahal when we got in there. We thought this is the best thing ever. And then God moved us into this building. We had a little temporary stop on the way with the good people at the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And, and, and God brought us this far. And now we are, we are doing everything in our power to maximize this space. But here's the important thing. As we step into a new building at some point in the future, you need to recognize the purpose of that building is to empower us to do more to reach the loss than we're doing now. We don't need another building to just do what we do here on Sundays because we do that already here. Y'all getting this? It's making sense, right? I want to make sense. <laughs> but as we look back over our shoulder and we see the different places God's brought us to, the thing I'm reminded of is this. We don't hold on to anything. We're not gripping with a firm grasp any one thing. We'll go wherever God wants us to go. We're never going to get into a building and paint ourselves into a corner and be like, this is our place forever. We just want to go where God wants us to go. We don't hold on to things materially tight like that because we're not in it for those things. We're not in it for buildings. We're in it for people. Amen? Now, I have so much more vision 
than even what I've shared, but we need to start with what's in front of us. This year, our mandate is to communicate, connect, and celebrate like never before. You will hear us talk about that. This is not something we're going to mention once and then forget about, and then you know, next year at Vision Sunday, we'll talk about something new. This is God's mandate for us this year, and I want to invite you to join in us with that. I want to close today by reminding of you the why. Reminding you of the why. Why do we have a Vision Sunday? Why do we want a building fund? Why do we create opportunities for this? It's because it's all about souls, y'all. It's all about souls. I want to share with you a story from my friend, Pastor Norm Dubois. Just as I close, he's a good friend down in Florida. Pastor's a great church down there and he and his family, he's got five kids. He and his family have for years come up here to vacation. In fact, they go rent a big house in Asheville and they go play in the mountains. You know, when you're from Florida, the mountains seem pretty great. So they come up for their vacation every year and one of the one of their traditions is that as a family they go whitewater rafting. And they go on one of the large whitewater boats that's got a bunch of people in it. And, and, and usually there's a guide at the front of that that's leading them down the river. And this particular year, their daughter Julia had turned eight years old. And she was just old enough now to be admitted to get on the raft and go riding with the family. And, and so she really, really wanted to go, Daddy, can I please go? Can I please ride with you? I want to go experience. And so he said, okay. And his... Pastor Norm's wife, Dina, said, I don't know, you know, is she ready? She's pretty small, you know. And he says, no, she's, she'll be good. I'll take care of her. I'll make sure she's good. I'll make sure she's good. So they said goodbye to Miss Dina. She was at the house, and they went. And he told me, he said, you know, when I go to these guide places for the rafts, he says, I always try to find the gnarliest-looking guide because I know that he's going to make it the most fun for us. So I always look for the gnarliest one. So he found the gnarliest guy and he got the family together and they got in the raft and they're all riding and there's a bunch of other rafts and they're all riding down the river together. And the guide says, okay, there's a spot in the river that we're coming up to. It's going to be a, a bend and a drop and it's, it's going to be fun and, and, and we're going to go through this, this area of the water and we're going to have an opportunity to see what it's like to capsize. We're not going to capsize, but we're going to, we're going to feel the bounce as if we were going to flip. And so just hold on. We're not going to flip. We're going to be fine, but, but you'll get to kind of ride this wave. And everybody was excited for it. And so as they got into this spot in the river, they hit this moment and they capsized and they flipped over. And if you know anything about white water, oftentimes it pushes down and it has a way of pinning people under the water. And so as the boat's flipping, Pastor Norm's telling me the story and I'm kind of just on the edge of my seat and he says, as the boat's flipping, I hear my daughter Julia scream, Daddy! And he said, we all go under the water. I could feel the water push me down and hold me and eventually it shot me out and before he knew it, he was 100 yards downstream, and he pops up out of the water, turning and looking frantically to find his daughter, Julia. And he's shouting, Julia, 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 and he's looking, Julia! And he can't see her, he can't find her anywhere. 
And he feels arms pick him up and pull him in to the other raft. And there's a different raft guide that's there, and he's with different people in the raft, and he's, he's like, where is my daughter? And he's screaming for her, Julia, Julia, and he can't see her anywhere. And the raft looks at him and says, sir, we got everybody, calm down. Sir, calm down, we got everybody. He says, no, 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 we didn't get everybody. Where's my daughter? I don't see her. He said, don't worry, man, we got everybody. And this apparently persisted for, for a moment or two. And he says, where is my daughter, Julia? And he's shouting for her name. And the guy's getting angry with him. And he says, no, 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 sit down, man. We got everybody. He says, we didn't get everybody. He said, I'm about to jump off of this boat and swim back upstream till I find my daughter and I know that she's safe. And just a moment after he said that, Julia's head popped up from one of the other rafts and she was safe. He said, he said, Josh, you know, in that moment, you know what I wasn't thinking? I wasn't thinking, hey, I got five kids. What's one less? I guess still got four at home. He said, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't thinking like, oh, Dina won't mind. He said, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about my comfort. I wasn't thinking about how hard it was going to be to swim against the current and go upstream to find my daughter. He said, you know what, what bothered me more than anything, Josh? I'm sitting on the phone. I can't, I'm holding back tears. He said, you know what bothered me more than anything about that guy, about that raft instructor? It was his indifference towards someone that was lost. It was his indifference to say, no, 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 don't worry about it. And he said to me, you know what? He said, Josh, I, I really believe that our indifference towards the lost grieves the heart of God. He said, the same way my heart was grieved when I couldn't find my daughter and my daughter was lost. I knew the lengths I would go to, to rescue her. And the fact that the guy steering the boat didn't seem to care about that. The fact that he was so indifferent towards the status of my daughter was a problem. You see, the reality is that we've been put on this planet as believers, as the body of Christ, to reach the lost at all costs. We talk about $25,000 in a building fund. Oh, that's so awesome. That sounds wonderful. And it is. It's so wonderful. And I believe God's going to help us double that amount quickly. I really do. But we talk about stuff like that. We talk about buildings and projects and teams and the launching of this and the growing of that and the development of this and the expansion of that. And we get so excited about it that sometimes we can lose sight of the fact that it's all about the lost that out there on these roads, in these neighborhoods, right this moment, people are in danger of slipping into eternity without Jesus. And we cannot afford to be indifferent towards something so precious to the heart of God as the lost. I want to encourage you this year that as we communicate with and connect with and celebrate the people around us, not just within this church, but outside of this church, 
I want to encourage you that you make the lost your priority. I said this a couple weeks ago, and I reiterated it at our grow day with our leaders. We need to take ownership of the empty seat next to us on Sunday morning. Say, you know what? That's my seat to fill. I'm going to fill that seat with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Because can I tell you this? Can I tell you this? The best Sunday of your year is going to be the one when your neighbor walks down to the aisle and comes, says yes to Jesus and gives their heart to Jesus. The best Sunday of your year is going to be when your cousin finally comes with you to church. You've been asking them for months and they finally come and they hear something and they see a Jesus on display that they've never seen before in any of the other places that they've been. They've never, they've never had a revelation like this before and they hear the voice of the Spirit tugging at their heart and they see Jesus in a way that they've never seen him before. And they say, this is my moment to say yes to God and they do it. That's going to be the best Sunday of your year. When that coworker, that cousin, that relative, that brother, that sister, that parent, that aunt or uncle, when they come and say yes to Jesus, it changes everything. I want to ask you to stand to your feet as I pray over you this morning. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.